God's Word says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. Let's pray. Lord, you know how much I want to be a comfort this morning. Not just me, but I want this word that we just read, your word, your inspired word, by the power of your spirit to be a comfort, Lord, to weary saints and people who are beleaguered who do not follow you. Lord, I want this to be a word of hope. I want this to be a word of excitement. I want this to be a reminder for all of us, Lord, that Jesus has come and we now have great reason to hope. Lord, this this goal that I have is a goal that I cannot accomplish. I can't accomplish on my own. This is something we're reliant on you for. And so, Lord, I pray that you would be with me as I preach your word this morning. I pray for faithfulness. I also pray for your spirit to show up in power amongst us today. That you would grab our attention for a few moments and focus us upon you and your light. A light that does not go out. A light that cannot be extinguished. A light that shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it. I pray that. In your name, Jesus Christ, amen. Since about 1880 or so, our world, especially the Western world, has been awash in the glow of electric light. When the sun goes down and retreats behind the horizon, all we do is go inside and turn on lights. When the darkness descends daily, it's nothing more than just the sunset. You want to read? Turn on a light. Want to play a game? Flip a switch. Want to have a talk? Click the light. Is it dinner? Turn on the light. We're so used to living this way in the Western world that we forget how unusual in all of human history this is. We're among the very few who don't think too much about the sunset. It doesn't really impact our lives, except it gets cooler. Few of us alter our schedules at all around the sunrise and the sunset, but that's not the way it always was. For most of human history, people have always associated the nighttime with danger because it was dark. They would rush home to be with their people and huddle around a fire before the sun danced over the horizon because the darkness outside was complete and thorough. And so when the first readers of John's gospel read 
John chapter 1, verse 5, their heads snapped to attention. They knew nothing of a light that that shone in the darkness to which the darkness did not overcome. They did not know of a light that could shine that darkness had no power over. The sun would go down every day and drape the world in darkness. And fire, fire is notoriously fickle. Fire could burn bright, but it had to be tended to. It had to be fed. It had to be watched over because if it went outside its bounds, it could burn everything. But if you just leave it alone, it would burn itself out. There was no kind of light that the people were used to that wouldn't be overcome by darkness. For then, when the sun withdrew, there were no matches, there were no flashlights, there were no light switches, there were no glowing phones, just fire and just darkness that would overtake that fire. There was no light that could withstand that darkness. What was true about the physical realities of the world was also true about the spiritual realities. Not only did darkness, when it descended, did it drape over everything, this darkness in our world overtook overtook everything in more ways than one. This world, the world we live in, is a fallen world, And there is a darkness about our world, a darkness that is evil, and it is pernicious. It's a forlorn kind of darkness. In our world, darkness overtakes light. In our world, might makes right, and those with the most money and the most power and the most fame win. Darkness overtakes everything. This is a lonely kind of darkness. In our world, those who need help are so often afraid of asking for fear of being stigmatized. Darkness overtakes everything. It's an evil kind of darkness in our world where strife reigns. Strife reigns between couples and siblings and political parties and neighbors and ethnicities and nations. It's a constant reality in our world. Darkness overtakes everything. It's also a malicious kind of darkness. A place where people who should be helped, like those with special needs, are mocked and derided and taken advantage of because darkness overtakes everything. It's a violent kind of darkness. A darkness where death stalks everyone, be it by accident, manslaughter, cancer, war, famine, pestilence, or old age. Darkness overtakes everything. And it's also a dislocating kind of darkness. Too many people in our world drift and wander through life because they don't have purpose. They're like vagrants with no direction. And the world, the way of the world, is dark. Dark. And darkness always seems to extinguish the light. Except once. Except once. And Christmas celebrates that happy exception. There is a light that has dawned in the coming of Jesus Christ that cannot be extinguished. There is a light in the coming of Jesus Christ that cannot be extinguished. For all of human history, darkness reigned. In the Advent, when Jesus came, for once and for the first time, light 
dawned. See, he is the one light, the only light that can shine into the darkness and not be overcome. That's what we celebrate here. Christmas is an announcement, not that a light has come, but the light. Did you notice that in verse 5? The light shines. Not a light, not merely light shines. No, it's the light, meaning it's a specific kind of light. It's a specific kind of light, speaking of a specific person. A light that can shine into the forlorn world, promising to make all things right. A light that shines into our lonely, dark world, assuring that there is someone we can count on. A light that shines into our evil world, pointing the way out of darkness and strife to hope. There's a light that shines into our malicious world, that protects the overlooked and the abandoned. There's a light that shines into our violent, dark world, illuminating the way to eternal life. There's a light that shines into our dislocating world of darkness, giving purpose to the wayward. The light of Jesus Christ is that light. And it's not merely a historic event that we celebrate. This, friends, Jesus, is a current reality. The light of Jesus Christ shines today. Last week we heard that there was no word like this word, Jesus Christ. Today we hear that there is no light like this light, the light of Jesus Christ. And we're going to see this in verses 5 through 9 in three different ways. First, the word is the light. Second, not all want to see the light. And third, the true light still shines. The word is the light, not all want to see the light, and the true light still shines. First, the word is the light. Remember, last week we saw, and I read it again in John chapter 1, verse 1, that the word was with God and the word was God. So the word is Jesus Christ. And so what John does is he stacks image upon image to describe the effect Jesus Christ and his coming had in the world. Last week, we saw he was the Word. This week, we find he is the light. And Jim talked about this last week, but we saw last week that in him, in Jesus, was life. And the life was the light of men. So we see this connection in verse 4 between life and light. Notice, life and light. So where the light of Christ is, light. Where the light of Christ is, life comes. So life follows his light. And so when John says in verse 5, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it, he's not talking about a new illumination kind of strategy in the world. What he's saying is the light of Jesus Christ, the word of God, shines and brings life into this dark, decrepit, dead world. Jesus and Jesus alone is that light. See, the world was dark, and it was a place devoid of life and dominated by death because of sin. We all know this. We all feel this. We all recognize this. But through the Word, originally, way back in creation, in Genesis chapter 1, through the Word, God's first creative act was to call forth the light to shine upon all things. At creation, there could be no life without light. Just as, if, just as there, in, there can be no eternal life without the light of the Word. 
Though darkness was over the face of the deep in Genesis chapter 1, God spoke, let there be light, and there was light. Darkness could not stay God's hand. Similarly, darkness could not stay the hand of God in coming himself to become a man, to be the light that is the word that brings life. Instead of speaking the light into existence through the word, the word himself became flesh to shed light upon mankind. And these dark forces, though they sought to destroy this light, could not. This light still shines. Though Jesus was stalked by Herod as a baby, darkness could not kill him. Though Jesus was, in, was, after he preached in Luke chapter 4 to his hometown, and they wanted to kill him, they could not. Even though he was executed at Golgotha, and his light was snuffed out for a time, it was only a temporary victory. His light now shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot, has not, and will never overcome it. The light of his life shines forever. And if there's one thing that we need, if there's one thing that mankind at large needs in this dark and decrepit planet is life. Not just any kind of life, but eternal life. And that's what Jesus brings. He says this, I, being Jesus, he's speaking, give them eternal life, and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. So the light he brings is eternal life. Jesus the Word has brought the light of eternal life. The Word, then, is the light. There is no light like Jesus. The Word is the light. Secondly, we also see in this section, verses 6 through 8, not all want to see the light. Verse 6, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. This is John the baptizer, which you can read about later in John, or you can read about him in all the other four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. What did John do? He came as a witness to bear witness about the light. Now, we are so used, if you've been to come, in church, come to church for any length of time, or if you know the Bible story at all, you know the story of John the Baptist. You know he came to tell people that Jesus was coming. And we're so used to, to thinking about him and what he did that we stop and, and we, we, don't, we forget how remarkable this is. What does John say here in John chapter 1, the purpose of the baptizer was? Verse 7, he came as a witness to bear witness about the light. Now, how often... Do you have to bear witness about light? In other words, how often do you have to explain light to people? If someone, if, let's, let's imagine you're in a room with a book in your hands, and it's completely dark, and you can't see it. But yet you're straining with your eyes to try to make out the letters on the page, and you can't see it. And then all of a sudden, across the way, a light flips on. Do you have to have someone come and explain to you, listen, you're not able to see the words on the page because you're in the darkness. If you move over here into the light, you'll be able to read it. Now, nobody needs that kind of explanation, right? We all intuitively know that we can't see, when we can't see something, we need light. Right? We all know that. Here's a clue about the kind of light 
that Jesus brings. He brings the kind of light that needs explanation. And that's what John brought. John brought explanation. He brought, he came to bear witness about the light. Why? That all might believe through him or through his testimony. And so why do we need to have people bear witness about the light? Not just John. We, as believers, are called to go out in the world and bear witness to this light. We've had others, if we're Christians, bear witness to us so that we might be saved about the light. Why do we need people to bear witness about the light of life? Why do we need people to bear witness about, to tell us about the light of life that Jesus brings? Jesus tells us later in John. He says, and this is the judgment. The light, speaking of himself, has come into the world, and people loved the darkness rather than the light. And their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. Do you see that? That's the fear. The fear that all of us have is that the light of Christ will illuminate all of our failures, all of our flaws, all of our troubles, all of our, regret, all of our regrets, all the ways that we fall short. And so instead of coming to Jesus... Instead of having him illuminate the ways, instead of, having, instead of trusting him to give us the light of life, we would rather, mankind would rather, stay in the dark corners of the world, away from the light. See, the truth about mankind is that we love the darkness. And the other truth is that the darkness of the world is not just out there, it's also in all of our lives. That darkness that defines everything in our fallen world also is inside us. Our eyes can get so accustomed to the darkness that we can run from the light. People can get so comfortable living in the darkness, away from the light of Jesus Christ. None of us, apart from Jesus, want our evil deeds exposed. Even if we haven't done anything that bad, characteristically, naturally, mankind hates to admit that we need help. We hate to admit that we need something outside of us. We hate that. We want to be seen as capable. We want to be seen as effective. We want to be seen as smart. We want to be seen as, as able. Or we might just want to be left alone. John the baptizer called people to realize that they needed fundamental personal change. And all of us who follow Jesus remember the time we realized that we could not scrape the darkness out of our souls by ourselves. All of us remember the realization that we needed help from somewhere. All of us remember the realization we had, if we're Christians, that we wanted to step out of the darkness into light. Jesus offers help to the willing. Not to the worthy, but to the willing. Jesus offers help not to those who deserve but to those who ask for help. 
I remember one time I got a call from a desperate friend. He called me almost in a panic and said that we needed to talk soon. So we met for lunch later that week, and he told me that all of a sudden, one day, out of the blue, he had a deep and abiding sense that he was not right, that he was unworthy. He used the word dirty. And it didn't have anything to do with his personal hygiene. It didn't have anything to do with, with his ability to get himself out. He recognized that there was something about him that was fundamentally flawed. And he could do nothing. So he called me and said, what do I do? And what is this? What is this? I told him this was the illumination of the Spirit. This was, this was Jesus, by his Spirit, giving you the awareness that you need help. I told him about the life that Jesus brings, the light that he gives, the eternal life he, he gives to any who believe. And this, my friend, believed and follow, has followed Jesus ever since. It's almost been ten years. Maybe that's the situation you're in. Maybe you're aware that you live in darkness and that there's darkness in you. Now, often the first step is the most difficult, and that's admitting that you need help, that you can't be in control of your own life, that you are not enough. It might be easy for you to admit that you've done wrong things, but hard to admit that you can't by yourself make them right. That's why we look to Jesus. Jesus is the one from whom a light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Any can come to him and ask for life, and he will give life. You don't have to say magic words. You don't even have to say anything out loud. You can just ask Jesus in the stillness of your heart to help you and to say, Take the darkness away. Dispel all this rancid nastiness from inside. He stands ready and willing to help and forgive. He's a light that shines, not just to expose, but to help. He's not here just to expose our flaws. He is here to shine a light into our life so that we might be able to recognize we need help. We need hope. We need someone from outside of us to do something to help us. Otherwise, we're dead. That's what he does. He shines that light into our lives so that we can recognize we're dead and we need life. We need life from somewhere else, and that somewhere else only comes from Jesus Christ because there is no light like the light of Christ. Do you see? Especially if you're not following, do you see? Ask for help. We've seen the Word is the light. We've seen that not all want to see the light. And thirdly, we see the true light still shines. We see the true light still shines. Notice we see a definite article in front of 
in verse 9 and in verse 5, we see in verse 9, the true light. Not a true light, not just true light, but the true light. John is making explicit that there is only one light that shines in the darkness to which the darkness cannot overcome. This true light, which gives light to everyone, whether they see it or not, whether they're willing or not, this one was coming into the world. See, this is remarkable. God came in the flesh. God the Father sent God the Son to become a man. God the Son was the agent through whom all things were created, including mankind. God the Son spoke and everything sprang into existence. And yet his salvation plan was not to speak and get people saved, but to come and be Emmanuel, God with us. And be that light that shines in the darkness that the darkness cannot overcome. Notice in verse 5, it says the light shines. It doesn't say the light shone. It doesn't say the light will shine. It says the light shines, which means his light shines still. This is not just a historical reality, not just a historical fact that we look back on and say, isn't that great? No. What we look here is we see the light of Jesus Christ still shines bright. Christian, does this bring you comfort? Christmas time comes every year. It comes and it goes. And the fact that God the Son became a man is almost, dare I say it, cliché. How does this bring comfort? I fear, if you're like me, that I'm not apt to think very deeply about the incarnation, about the arrival of Jesus Christ, because I'm so used to it. Because we celebrate Christmas every year. And I pull out the old dusty nativity scenes with the baby every year. And I forget how magnificent it is that God the Son would come and dwell amongst us. Think about this. Like of all the ways that God could mount a rescue plan, I mean, he could have sent instructions to earth. He could have passed on a message via an angel. He didn't do any of those things. He could have stayed at a safe distance, far away from the darkness and the morass of the world that this is. But he didn't. He invaded our dark world and shines still. See, this brings us comfort, Christians. See, he is the only source of real comfort. 
He is the true light that shines into our darkness. The light of Jesus Christ shines now, and his light is the only light that can bring genuine comfort to you. How? How? You ever ask the question, how? How does the light of Christ in Christmas bring comfort to us today, now, all month, and all year? Well, there's a lot of, ra- a lot of ways, but the writer to the Hebrews gives us one way. He says this in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 17 and 18, speaking of Jesus becoming a man. He says, therefore, he, being Jesus, had to be made like his brothers and sisters in every respect— so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself had suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. In other words, one of the ways in which our God, God the Son, is, has become, serves us is, is by understanding what we go through. He is merciful, and he is faithful because he has been in our shoes. He knows what it's like to have those invasive thoughts come at him. He knows what it's like to be tempted beyond what feels like he can bear. He's merciful, and he's faithful because he knows our weak state. He knows how hard it is to fight temptations. He knows how hard it is just to put one foot in front of the other. He knows how hard it is And he stands here ready to help. I ran across something this week in my reading that was significantly more helpful than I had ever thought about when it comes to the Incarnation. Sometimes what we want is somebody who just understands, right? Maybe they aren't able to help us. I'm not saying Jesus can't help us. But sometimes we just want somebody who can understand what we're going through. We just want somebody who gets it, right? Somebody who gets it. Somebody who's able to say, I get you. I know what you mean. I know how you feel. And if you're like me, what I do is I go from person to person to try to find somebody who gets me. But here's what we see in the incarnation. Jesus Christ, by coming and being a man and being that light that shines into the darkness that which the darkness cannot overcome, he gets us. He understands how you feel. Not just because he understands all things, not just because he's omniscient and he knows all things, but because he became a man, because he lived that life we should have lived, because he walked on this earth. He knows how we feel. Calvin, of all people, said, he put on our flesh, but also he put on our feelings. He put on our feelings also. I read that this week, and I just thought, I never, ever, never thought of that. Sometimes the troubles that accost me from the inside and from the outside are so troubling, so confusing, so difficult to navigate, so dark. It feels like nobody understands. Sometimes negative feelings can plague me like stink on a skunk. But our Savior, the true light, still shines. And you know what? He shines with understanding, and he shines with help. 
On the one hand, it's helpful, it's good to know that he understands, but it's even better to know that he understands and is willing to help. And that's what he does. He is the light that shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. See, he sees that spot to where we need help, and as the light who brings life, as God, who is the Word, he comes and helps us in that moment and in that place. He exposes our flaws and our frailties and our sins and our transgressions, not to point the finger and say, guilty, but to move to help. And that's what he did in the Incarnation. Calvin goes on, For in a priest whose office it is to appease God's wrath, to help the miserable, to raise up the fallen, to relieve the oppressed, mercy is especially required, and it is what experience produces in us. In other words, we get it. When we go through hard things, we, are going, we recognize, wow, I need to be merciful to other people. For it is a rare thing for those who are always happy to sympathize with the sorrows of others. The Son of God had no need of experience that he might know the emotions, that he might know the emotions of... Lost my place, sorry. Sorry. The Son of God had no need of experience that he might know the emotions of mercy, but we could not be persuaded that he is merciful and ready to help us had he not become acquainted with by the experience of our miseries. Therefore, whenever evils pass over us, let it occur to us that nothing happens to us but what the Son of God has himself experienced. Let me read that again. Let it occur to us that nothing happens to us but what the Son of God has himself experienced in order that he might sympathize with us. Let it occur to us that nothing happens to us but what the Son of God has himself experienced. Goodness gracious. The light that shines into the darkness shines and brings us help. There is no help like this help from Jesus. There is no light like this light from Jesus. We still live in a dark world. This world will be dark as long as we're here, but this darkness is not forever. The light that dawned that day in Bethlehem is shining still. The light that dawned that day is a light that is getting brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter. And one day, people will not be able to ignore it. One day, there will be a world, a city, a bright city with no night and no darkness, and all the nations will come in and walk by the light of his word. All the nations will come in and have life. All the nations will be with him and see his light. But that day is not today. By faith, we as Christians look at Jesus and the light of his life, and we say, you, and only you, can help me. His light still shines, though the darkness seems to have all the power. One day, he'll pay everybody back, all the evildoers, they'll get what they deserve. When we feel that darkness grasping at our heels, 
Know that his light one day will dispel that darkness, but in these days he promises to stand by us and walk next to us through anything. He may not deliver us from the darkness, but he promises to be with us in the darkness. When we feel that strife of this evil world coming after us, we can recognize that his light, the light of the life of Jesus Christ, brings peace with God. And when we have peace with God, we have, we have the peace that matters most, we have a peace that is beyond our understanding. Because there is no light like the light of Jesus. When we feel those tentacles of malicious darkness coming after us, and depression... And we can think that nobody understands. We can say, no, that's not true. Our Lord understood. Our Lord stood in our place. Our Lord endured the real dark night of the soul so that we might be able to have him with us, knowing that he is with us. He has given us life. And though it seems like things are dark, they will never be as dark as they were for him in that day, on, in that garden, when he was abandoned by all and God turned his back. That darkness, that darkness is not our experience. Because Jesus, the one who came, the light that shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it, that light shines. He faced that darkness alone so that we might have the promise that he will be with us always. And because he died and rose again to an indestructible life, his light will not be extinguished. He cannot be thwarted. His purposes for you cannot be stopped by any power of darkness, by any scheme of the evil one, by any way things seem. There is a light that shines, that brings life, and his name is Jesus. From him, a light shines. A light shines today, a light shines tomorrow, and a light shines for all time. A light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not, cannot, will not overcome it. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that that reality would be true for us here today. Lord, sometimes we can know the truth but not feel it. I pray for Christians here who are in that boat where they feel they're more aware of the darkness around them or the darkness inside them than the light of the life of Jesus Christ. I pray that you would bring them comfort just in them knowing that, Jesus, you understand, you get it. You've been there. You know this is not theoretical. You know this by experience. You've, you, you've been here in our shoes. Thank you for not staying away, but coming near. Thank you for coming and exposing yourself to all the temptations that we face, all the feelings that cascade over us, all those dark thoughts, 
Thank you for exposing yourself to those things and yet not being overcome by those things, but by continuing to shine forth. We can look to you knowing that in you there is life, eternal life. You cannot be extinguished. I also pray for any here who are not following you, Lord. I pray that they would turn to you. Pray that they would be discontent with the darkness in their life. I pray that they would recognize that apart from you, they've got nothing and no hope and no help. And so, Lord, I pray that you would use your word and maybe even this sermon to bear witness to the light of Christ in their lives so that they might walk in newness of life. So they might be, they might be among those who see your light and bear witness to your light to others. Jesus, thank you for shining. In our dark world and in our dark lives, in your name we pray. Amen.